on an inappropriate note. I knew you were, like, you were going with this, Liz, because I think I, <laughs> I think I was about to say exactly what you're going to say. I'm an ad. Well, no, because we have different philosophies. No, I'm right. an advocate for farting in front of your husband. I just want the world. to... I'm going to say it now for everyone. <laughs> yeah, and I love that you do. Welcome to the Finding Your Shine podcast, hosted by best friends Nina Boyce and Liz Garster. Enjoy a dose of Monday motivation each week as we interview people lighting up the communities of health and wellness, spirituality, and personal growth. Wherever you are on your journey to health, happiness, and self-love, our real and authentic conversations with guests will keep you inspired and empowered. And keep you laughing too. Thanks for listening. We're honored to join you in finding your shine. Hey, Finding Your Shine. Today, we are so honored to be talking with Akia Red of Real Girls Fart. And yep, we're saying it. We're not censoring F-A-R-T. We are just saying We are talking about our fart experiences in the beginning of this episode. Holy crap, was this not (laughs) the most vulnerable episode that we've ever had? It was, because I was immediately like, let's talk about flatulence. Oh my (laughs) gosh. But um, in all seriousness, we had a lot of really, really wonderful conversations around mental health and the stigma that comes with sharing your mental health journey. We talk about Akia's diagnosis with generalized anxiety disorder, which I know Nina sounds like it was very similar to yours in terms of like physically having it show up in the body, which is not something I've experienced. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so we really talk about what it feels like to have anxiety, what it felt like as a child. We talk about medication. I mean, we go into a lot of topics that can be a little bit taboo, but I feel like all three of us were very, very open about our own personal experiences. And the biggest takeaway from this episode that I would love to share with all of you is remember that you are individual and your story is unique and specific to you. So my anxiety story is specific to me. Akia's is specific to her and you know Liz's is specific to her. So everything that you choose to do, really listen to your own body. You'll know what's right for you. But then also seek out help. Find your team. Um, work with a coach. Work with a therapist. Work with a doctor. It's just this episode I think is super empowering in that way. Definitely. So we'll get into it in just a second. Before we do, I want to remind you that you can get tickets to Empowered Voice. I feel like that's all we need to say at this point. You can get a ticket. You can come. You can get them tickets. And you know what? It's like the end of May, guys. So you got to get them now or else you got to pay more. (laughs) No, for real though. Early bird bird ticket sales. Nina is... (laughs) The vulnerability from this episode has rubbed off and Nina's just telling it how it is. Telling you how it is. You got to get them or you're going to have to pay more. Early bird tickets end at the end of this month and it is the end of the month. So if you guys are interested in getting those early bird tickets, you can head to the link on our Instagram bio, in our Instagram bio, also in my Instagram bio, at Nurse with Nina at Finding Your Shine Podcast. You can catch them there or you can also go to empoweredvoiceconference.com. And now I feel like I have to put in my Instagram bio. I feel like tickets a in bad your Instagram bio, Liz. What are you doing? <laughs> okay, so after you listen to this episode, you can also go to Liz's Instagram and find the link in her bio. But of course, there's also the website. So head on over. Lots of places you can buy your tickets and Eventbrite. Yeah, all of the all above. Of the above. <laughs> well, enough about Empowered Voice. Let's get talking mental health with Akia Red. Hey, listeners. Today, we're really excited to be having a conversation with Keys, who is the founder of Real Girls Fart and the Real Girls Foundation. And so we're going to have a conversation all about empowering women, mental health, pretty much like I think everything is fair game in this conversation. But before we really dive into it, I think you have to tell us what Real Girls, the acronym F-A-R-T stands for. Because we were just talking about this before we started recording. And then, of course, introduce yourself and let our listeners know a little bit about how you started this foundation and how you came to this line of work. Well, first off, hey, Nina. Hey, Liz. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here uh, on this podcast with you guys. Hey, listeners. I'm your girl, Keys. And hopefully today we're going to talk a little bit about authenticity and um, 
really what inspired me to start Real Girls Fart was my own struggle with mental health challenges, depression, anxiety. And so it was not an acronym at first. It Mm. literally was a joke between my husband and I. Like I have two brothers and I was just like, you know, potty humor was not a big deal. And so like, I would fart in front of my husband because <laughs> sometimes that's what I, you know, that's what you do sometimes when you're married. Yeah. And so he would be like, are you serious right now? And I'd be like, hey, <laughs> I'm like, real girls fart. And then seriously, when I said it, probably about seven years ago, I turned around and looked at him and said, oh my God, that is a book. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I totally like, that was seven years ago. And it really was meant to kind of, go after the standards of perfectionism that we have in this society um, surrounding women. Mm -hmm. And that was long before it was an acronym. And then as I started diving into the bug and talking more about certain things, I started highlighting different parts or aspects of my journey. And so that's where we got the acronym, acronym, excuse me, Fearless, Authentic, Rescuer, Trailblazer. Mm -hmm. I love that shit. Also... On an inappropriate note, I knew you were, like, you were going with this, Liz, because I think I, I think I was about to say exactly what you're going to say. I'm an ad. Well, no, because we have different philosophies. No, I'm right. an advocate for farting in front of your husband. I just want the world. to... I'm going to say it now for everyone. <laughs> yeah, and I love absolutely. that you do. No, I think it says something like, about our society that I know so so many women that like yeah. have spent years married to people who I'm sorry have seen. A lot of them. Yeah. And they're not going to fart in front of them? I know. I know. I'm just like, well, I mean. I mean, that's the point of everything. (laughs) Before they were divorced. Yeah. I mean, she, my mom told me, she's like, oh, oh my gosh, I would never. And I'm just like, what? What do you mean? Like, this is the man that like, I mean, seriously, like I've given birth to his children. Trust me. Like, farting is okay. You know what though? See, and then I don't, I'm not like against it. I'm not like, oh my gosh, like, please go and fart in front of your husband. But I, on the other hand, like can't, like for some reason, or if it slips out, I'm like, oh God, he's going to say something. Not that he like is judging me, but I like can't even do it like in front of friends or like my own family. Or if I'm in the bathroom, like I embarrass myself. Like it's so... I like blush if it's just me in the room. I don't know like where it came from. But the other thing I think is funny is me and Liz were roommates freshman year of college. And so Liz was like very open with her flatulation. <laughs> I was like, right. And so like it became this joke between the two of us. Like I just never would. And she always would. I mean, people are different. It's cool. <laughs> No, I mean, you know, it's one of those things like, I don't judge you if you do. I don't judge you if you don't. Yeah. Please don't judge me because I definitely do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But then the other thing you mentioned was how some women have trouble like saying the name. So I grew up, I do have a brother, but he has special needs. So like potty humor wasn't really in my household, which I think is like, unless you have sisters. So I don't know where it came from with you. Have you met my mom? Yeah. (laughs) She's the inventor of potty humor. Yeah. (laughs) But I was like, oh my gosh, like I have to say the name of, of like your foundation. Like I have to say the name of the blog you've created and all of this and your platform. Like I have to say it. And I said it and I owned it. And I was like, all right, like this part of it, right? Like, Owning. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, it is, I mean, it is, it is really, it, it really truthfully is a play on words, you know? And I yeah. think it, it forces us to look at in the mirror, like face the fact that we as a society have subscribed like such like embarrassment mm-hmm. to certain words, certain topics, which makes oh, it yes. so fitting for like a mental health conversation. Um, because that is something that is in our society. It's looked at as stigmatized yep. and shameful in many cultures. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, I, I didn't intentionally like try to go mental health because like I wasn't even diagnosed when I came up with the idea seven years ago. But like I just got diagnosed like three and a half, four years ago. And so that's how old the blog is. And that was when I found out where my focus needed to be, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. And so that's when I started focusing on the mental health aspect of like 
perfectionism and the damage that that causes to people's psyches. Yeah. So what led you to like go and get that diagnosis several years ago? Like what, what, what was your life? What was going on at that time? Um, well, I mean, what wasn't <laughs> everything? What was going on in your life around the time that you got that diagnosis? Like what kind of things were led you to go seek that out? Well, let's just start at the point that I, I've always had it, right? Like I just didn't know what to call it. And <clears throat> about three and a half years ago, we were trying to remodel um, some different areas in our house. So there were, I'm an extreme introvert. And so when there's always somebody like in my space, that can be kind of triggering for me if I don't have like alone time to like just kind of process things. I had taken a break from my therapy, which was really normal for me because when I wasn't in crisis, I wasn't going to therapy. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? That's just how I did it. And so that was a, a thing. And then, you know, just cancer scare, you know, when I, that triggered it. I think that probably is what like really started the body symptoms of like the shaking Mm -hmm. and the tremors and things. You know, your life, I think, flashes before you when you've never had a mammogram and then you go in to check a spot and all of a sudden you're getting a biopsy the next day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that was really um, a triggering episode for me. And I think just looking back now, I would Google obsessively, like trying to diagnose myself and like yeah. reasons for why I was tremoring. And I really honestly think that that just like made it worse. And so a week of panic attacks sent me into overdrive. And I actually went to my doctor and I was just like, I, I can't function. I'm literally about to have a breakdown because I'm crying all the time. And that was when um, he said, you know, he told me what it wasn't. You know, he said it wasn't MS, it wasn't Parkinson's. I was fine on that front, but he says you have generalized anxiety and depression and mm-hmm. here are your options. So, yeah, I relate to that story so much because when I started to also like, I've had anxiety my whole life. I just didn't know what to call it. But I remember it wasn't until, I think it's like when your body really gets in the way where all of a sudden you're like, I like can't function. Like I can't mm-hmm. stop worrying. I, mm-hmm. I have heart palpitations. Like my digestion's off. Like all of these things are happening and um, little things that I would not be able to, like little things I never used to worry about was like controlling my life. And so when I went in, I was like going in like, okay, tell me something's wrong with my thyroid. Tell me something's wrong with uh, like a vitamin deficiency. (laughs) And he was literally like, no, everything's normal. Like you just, you have anxiety. Like you have generalized anxiety disorder. So I ended up with that diagnosis as well. And so that's what like led me into everything that I was doing too. And just, it's crazy because just like you said, I think we try, like nothing's wrong with saying like, I have anxiety. Like it, yeah. I, it actually makes me the person I am. Like the, the things that I do in my life is because I have anxiety. Like that's the whole reason why I'm a holistic health coach. And so, yeah. but nobody in my family ever talked about it. And no, like we didn't grow up really. I mean, kids that worried all the time, you'd be like, what's wrong with that kid? You know? So yeah. it was like, yeah, 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 you yeah. really, when you find out that you're struggling with it, you're like, oh shoot, I have to own it now. Or I have, so I'm so yeah. glad you're doing this work because there's so many people out there that are struggling that are like, I feel quote unquote weaker than other people that don't have to struggle with this. And that's just not the case. No, it's not the case at all. I, in actuality, you know, it's funny. I was, uh, I was watching, I love Brene Brown. And, mm-hmm. um, yes. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> she's actually my therapist when I'm not in therapy. Yeah. And <laughs> as, she should, as she should be for everybody. I got to watch yeah, her special. I mean, oh, her special. That's where I was so going. Good. Yeah. That's where I was going. So like I'm in my bed on Sunday and I'm kind of chilling and I'm like, this is my church. Yeah. I'm like, I'm Brene Brown. I'm at the church of Brene Brown. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I got my <laughs> iPhone out. And like, I'm ready. I'm taking notes. And one of the things that she has said in her books and even her TED talk on what true vulnerability is, it just for some reason caught, like it just stuck on Sunday. And she said, True vulnerability is not like basically blabbing about your story to Mm -hmm. any and everybody who will listen. True vulnerability, and that's what this pop culture now is starting to use buzzwords like vulnerability. It's driving me insane. Soapbox. Mm -hmm. Uh, There I go. But, you know, (laughs) this is, you know, this conversation about vulnerability is more so about 
showing up. Like today, I had a really, really bad couple days this week, you know, but I still, I showed up Mm -hmm. to my life, even though, and I wasn't pretending when I showed up either. Like that's the, that's vulnerable is when you can still show up, you can still do life, even though you're struggling. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing stronger than saying I'm weak, Mm -hmm. (laughs) basically, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I feel like the people that I gravitate towards the most and when I was going through my deepest struggles with this was the women that were sharing, not like, oh, look at me now. Like, look at where I'm at. It was like them sharing the parts of themselves. Like, I'm doing these things that are really helping, but like, I'm still struggling with this. Like, it's it's still a part of my story, which then made me realize, oh my gosh, if you can have anxiety or depression or whatever you're struggling with and you can still thrive, then I can do it too, you know? And it doesn't mean... And you don't have to be perfect. Oh, so you're not perfect, but you're still thriving. Okay, I can too. I can do that too. And so, yeah, I 100% relate to that. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's been really freeing for me to be able to share with everybody when they ask me like, how did you get from like there to like where you are now? I'm like, honey, if you knew where I am most days right now, you Mm -hmm. know, like it's, it's, it's like, there's like a combination of things that I do. And I don't think it's one size fits all. Honestly, I really, really don't. Like yeah. the, the more work that I do in therapy, like with uh, discovering my true identity, like who I really am or, you know, what I really want out of life, the more work I feel like I need to do, the more discovery I feel like I need to do on myself. So I think, you know, where I am learning how to, you know, meditate (laughs) and you know I just got into this whole like hot yoga thing where I'm like you know what like like admitting to myself that like you know what lifting weights and running really stresses me out so I shouldn't probably do that I should Mm -hmm. probably do some exercises that don't stress me out and give me major anxiety yeah yeah you know Mm -hmm. so just learning like how to kind of navigate through it. And, and yeah, I am, I am medicated. I take a pill every single day. Mm-hmm. I take CBD oil. Like I'm good with it. You know, like I own it. Do I want to take it forever? No, but if I have to, I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. Can I ask like what your thoughts are, what you notice differently with the CBD oil versus other things that you're doing? Because I've tried mm-hmm. CBD oil. A, do you use like what kind of CBD oil do you use? Just out of curiosity. Oh gosh, I, I should have like brought the bottle out here. So, um, mm-hmm. how about I have a couple different brands that I'm experimenting right now? Like I've been taking Charlotte's Web. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Can sure. you? Yeah. Can you order it? I, you know, you know what? You can. Well, you might be able to, but I got mine at Fresh Time. No way. Yeah, really? I just bought a bottle of it. The drops at Fresh Time, like. I don't know, maybe a week ago. Oh, that's really interesting. See, I have been checking this and now this is like six months or a year ago. It has to be a year ago or longer. Yeah. I was looking into CBD because I had had some real like cannabis derived CBD. Yeah. It was very relaxing. And I have a lot of, I don't, I've never gotten formally diagnosed. If I had to guess, I probably also have anxiety, but just haven't haven't gotten diagnosed with anything official, Mm -hmm. Um, but it was really, really soothing. And so I went to like, I looked up and I was like, oh, well, it's made from the part of cannabis. It's like non-psychoactive. So like, sure, it's probably fine to to get. And I was reading all this stuff about like, well, it's still like, I don't know, whatever the schedule one or whatever the same drug is, is like heroin. It was like the same. According to the, the... what is it? The whoever monitors all the drugs, the FDA, like the alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whatever. And so I was like, "That's dumb." First of all, but then I was like, "Well, can you order it and have like if I order it from like a place where it's legal, like California, but it comes to Ohio in the mail? Like, is someone gonna arrest me?" <laughs> you look nervous. But then, oh. so then no, I, I got I some tried to do that and it didn't work. Really? Yeah. So then I got some from I got it locally in Columbus. I was with but you. It was. Yeah, but it was derived from hemp. Yeah. And I noticed, and maybe I just didn't like have enough, but I didn't notice like the same, the same effect as when I had like the real deal CBD. So well, I'm just curious on your experiences with it. Fun fact is that I need to go to a place 
where it's like legal to have the cannabis derived CBD because I really want to try that because mm-hmm. I, I can't really answer that because I've never tried that before. But I do know that when you have the one that's derived from hemp, you have to take a lot more. Maybe that's it. Maybe I'm just not I've doing tried enough. it too and I wasn't sure yeah. that I felt much of a difference. I was almost like maybe I wasn't as stressed as I thought or anxious as I thought. But yeah, I have a drop, dropper under yeah. my tongue and I didn't notice much about it myself. But like on the conversation of medicine, I think it can be such a touchy, touchy subject. And so like, for example, I think a lot of people think that I'm against medication just because they see like in the world of holistic health, like all of these other things I'm doing. And there was a point where I, like when I went to the doctor, I was given a prescription for Lexapro and I took a few times. And for me, my anxiety about taking the pill was like worse than just taking it, than not taking Mm -hmm. it. And at Mm -hmm. that moment in my life, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try something different because I don't know if this is the solution for me right now. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I've had other moments in my life, like for example, and everybody on the podcast knows this, like I'm considering in the the next year, like thinking about children. So something Mm -hmm. I've been really honest about is the fact that if I struggle with anxiety now, postpartum can be really difficult for me and the change and hormones. And that's what I focus on. And so I'm like, you know what? If there's another time in my life where medication is what's going to help support my body, then that's what needs to happen. But I think it's so different for every single person. It's like you... And that's where people need to like release that judgment. Because sure, maybe for you, it's like medicine and and yoga and meditation and all these things work. Or maybe for you, it's like Charlotte's Web and something totally different. And so it's not comparing yourself to other people, but just discovering and experimenting what works for you. Yeah, 100%. Like, I think that everyone's journey is their journey. Yeah. And so you cannot use my experience um, and compare it to yours. I'll be honest with you. Like the last, I don't know, the last couple of days, like I've been thinking about like, trying to wean mm-hmm. off of my um, antidepressant and just trying to, since I have made some lifestyle changes and since I am doing yoga and since I do you know, take CBD, be it wouldn't um, be as bad. But I'll tell you this, I remember that dark place that I was at before yeah. I got on the meds. And so to your point, you know, I took, Lexapro. That's what I started out as. Yeah, that's what I was prescribed. Uh, uh, yeah, I was prescribed Lexapro. They tend to do that for people who have GAD, I think, or generalized anxiety because it has a little bit more of an anxiety component in it than a lot of the other antidepressants mm-hmm. from what I was told. Um, <clears throat> problem with that was is that I just am a magnet for side effects. And so like I... Same. I gained 20 pounds in like eight weeks when I started taking Lexapro. And... For me, my issue with that is I have a lot of body shame and mm-hmm. I have this, you know, this other thing with this, you know, an atypical kind of situation. You know what I mean? Where I'm like within that normal kind of little overweight kind of on the BMI, mm-hmm. outdated, mm-hmm. right? Like, yes. I roll, I roll. Really? started. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, and I'm sure you see it all the time because you're a health coach. You're a holistic, you know, health coach. And so, I, you know, that sent me, oh, my God. I just, I really, like, had a hard time with it and then started dieting. So, I started mm-hmm. restricting and all this kind of stuff. So then it, that actually, the anxiety and the depression got better, but the eating disorder got worse. It's crazy how all of the things it, it literally are related. And that's why there's like such this big approach. It's like the mind, the body, the spirit. Like how do we start connecting it all and just like filling in the puzzle pieces for your individual life to see what works yeah. for you. So when you say that you're deciding to kind of wean off of it, is it just because you're like, I'm just going to see how my body does, but keep an open mind? Because I think that's an also a really important conversation to have. One of my really good friends um, just came out on Instagram that she also decided that it was time for her. And Mm -hmm. she's been really open about the struggles that are still there, but Mm -hmm. what she's choosing to do and the mindset she now has around it. And also she mentioned like, if I have to get on it again, I will do that. But like, so what's your thoughts just around supporting yourself and mentally, physically, everything? You know, I'll be honest. Like I'm still kind of thinking through it Mm -hmm. because there still is anxiety for me 
thinking about coming off of it. Yeah. That makes me anxious. Like just the thought of, because I remember, you know, a little less than a year ago, weaning off of Lexapro to get on now what I take affects her. And the weaning off process is interesting because then you have to go without anything for a full week. And I experienced severe, severe withdrawal, not necessarily physical withdrawal, but emotional Mm -hmm. withdrawal. And that was a scarier place than it was before I actually got on anything. Yeah. It's so so um, tricky. It's so, so tricky. It is. I mean, it's just, it's really, it's really a, a tough call for me, but it's it's definitely something in the forefront of my mind right now that I've been kind of toying around with. Um, I don't necessarily know that this is the right timing for me to come off of it with everything coming up for me, mm-hmm. but I definitely think once the dust settles with that and I'm at a more settled place, I probably will start to, to think about that once I get the eating disorder and things under control. Mm-hmm. Support system yeah. is key. Oh, yeah. 100%. So I'm curious, when you started blogging, like, mm-hmm. obviously, we, the things we've talked about, like, normally, you know, there's a lot of shame around them. Mm-hmm. We often, I would say, most people keep it very private. And yet, like, you're out there, like, you start a blog. So yeah. what led you to take something that you were struggling with and make it in the public arena? Because it was therapy for me. It was, you know, it it was basically making my journal very, very public. And my heart has always been to like help somebody and Mm -hmm. coming from that like very God focused kind of center. It was always like you never really go through things for yourself. It's more so to help somebody else. And so I still do believe that a little, but I also do believe that our trials and stuff come and they make us stronger. And sometimes stuff just happens, right? Because that's just life. But I I think that part of it where I was like, man, I want to see like how many other people are struggling with this. And the responses that I got from women all over the place were crazy. Like just, I mean, oh my God, keep talking about this. This has really helped me today. I really needed this. And so that just fueled me even more. And I just started talking about like multiple topics, you know, and and everything always had that like wellness piece or that center of like, you know, stay grounded and take care of yourself. But people just asked for more because they needed more, more realness. Mm -hmm. When we don't feel alone, we, it's just so empowering. And like, that's just exactly what, when we started the podcast, that was literally one of the core reasons. It's like, we have stories, yeah. we have stories to tell. And mm-hmm. me and Liz would have conversations about everything, like finances, yeah. our health, our mental health, our career. And we like yeah. thought to ourselves, if we're having these conversations with each other, surely there are a bunch of other women out there that are having these mm-hmm. conversations too. So might as well share them and start a yeah. community. And I mean, I sent, and that's exactly what you did too. Yeah, I mean, because community is... It it has been and it is going to continue to be a huge part of recovery for me. Mm-hmm. I never have put as much value as I do right now on my gal pals. Yeah. And <laughs> just having, you know, I've always like had an issue or anxiety around like making new friends. And so like if I couldn't find my people, like I just said, okay, well, if I can't find my people, I guess I'm just going to create my own tribe. You know what I mean? It's like like people, we all get together. And so then what happens is, is when you really do your like identity work and you're working hard to find out who you truly are, what are my values? What do I believe in? Why do I believe in it? You just somehow connect with the right people. And so then I meet really cool people like you and Liz. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. I have to share that story really quick. So I was at Mission Coffee and my friend Annette, who is really awesome, was with your husband. And I sat down and we're talking and then somehow your blog came up and I was like, oh my gosh, she's all about mental health. That's what I love to talk about. And so then I, it was like, (laughs) he's like, well, you should, your husband was like, you should definitely reach out to her. 
So then I did. And I like, it's just interesting, like the people you meet and the more it's so true, the more that you really dive into your own story and your confidence, you open yourself up to bring those people in. Like you, you gravitate towards those people that have the same type of energy and that are into the same things because you're open. You're not, you know, closed off and whatever, you know what I mean when I say that, but like, yeah, yeah, it's just cool that when you get into this line of work, the people that you run into just seem to gravitate towards you. Yeah, exactly. I actually, I don't, I forget, was it a, it might actually have been a blog that I was working on recently. And for something, I, I forget, I'm writing so much th- these days, guys. It's like, uh, <laughs> I know we have to talk about I, your book, right? I yeah. know, I know, I know. I, so I was writing that very thing um, the other day about how, like, when you open up yourself to who you are, People just gravitate. The right yes. people gravitate yep. to you, and um, so I guess that that you know says like if if you want friends, you got to show yourself friendly. Well, I think if you want open people in your life, you've got to be open. Yeah, yeah. So, so diving deeper into really discovering your own identity, I found personally working with coaches and working with therapists have been so powerful for that. Something that keeps yeah. coming up in discussions is that idea of like, what would you say to your inner child and how we carry our anxieties through our life. And yeah. when I really sat down and thought about that, I was like, the, the things that I'm anxious about now or that I worry about now all kind of do stem from this place when I was younger, where I didn't have the coping skills. So I created these beliefs about myself, like, well, I just can't handle certain things, or I am just a worrisome person, or I, whatever it is. It's like, I carry these stories through I have my a life. Question. Yeah. It's, I mean, mm-hmm. sorry, I don't mean to interrupt no, you. Interrupt I'm, just, away. I'm just curious <laughs> if, did either of you ever feel like growing up, like you weren't the fun one? Like that your anxiety kept you from being like the fun one? No, I thought I was fun. Oh, yeah. I just thought, no, I well, Keys and I are on the same page. We're not fun. No, no, I wasn't, I wasn't fun at all. I was, I was like I was, too worried to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> See, I was, I thought I was the fun one and I was weirdly very unanxious about some things. I was anxious about the weird stuff, like the stuff that no, normal kids see here I am going again the stuff that like other <laughs> the stuff that other kids like weren't worried about would like keep mm-hmm. me up at night and so I I think my anxiety was just weird I don't know how to describe it but I did think I was fun well okay so I'm I'm curious now like okay what were those things like do tell tell me so oh my goodness like little things like if it was something to do with something scary, like my friends would be able to watch a movie about a murder, for example, and they'd be fine. But I would be up all night contemplating, like my little eight-year-old self would be like, but why? Why why were you watching murder movies when you were eight is my question. (laughs) (laughs) And this is an example. But I would be like, why would that person do that? What makes them do that? Oh my goodness. Like I, and I wouldn't be able to drop it or there'd be other, just things would get stuck in my head. It was, I guess, now that I've learned more about it, it actually Mm -hmm. seemed more like OCD tendencies when I was little, where I would play things again and again, and it would be a certain thing. As I got older, it changed from more of those like OCD tendencies to more of that generalized, um, just like anxious feeling. And that had a lot to do with overstress in my body and hormone imbalance and a ton of other shit. But like, that's sort of like where it led me. <laughs> you know, it's a whole complicated yeah. process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, oh gosh, who are you telling? Yeah, what were you? No, it's, uh, it, uh, as a kid, well, you know, so I'm not to get like really sad, but like, oh, no. you're laughing about this. But like, I, you know, I grew up, you know, with both my parents, they have had been married for like 28, 29 years. So they just divorced probably, I don't know, maybe nine years ago. So the the things that I thought about a lot was, okay, when I wake up in the morning, are my mom and dad going to be getting a divorce? Mm. And, um, or am I going to be coming back to my house tonight so that I can play with my Barbies? Because Typically, what would happen is, is like stuff would go down at like three and four in the morning, which was instantly the, the time of my panic attacks, by the way. Wow. Um, oh, wow. And your body doesn't forget, which is yeah. something yeah. that we can talk about too. 
I mean, when when the anxiety disorder actually came to a head as an adult, mm-hmm. that would be the time that I would wake in the middle of the night for um, to have a panic attack. But <clears throat> being a little girl, you know, four, you know, three, four years old, you know, from zero to five, I mean, my parents were probably split up four times. You know, mm-hmm. so think about that, like once a year, about yeah. you know. So I literally would be woke up in the middle of the night to screaming and yelling. And then, you know, the next day, we're not going back home. We're, we're going over to your grandmother's house. Mm-hmm. And so those were things that I would be worried about. I would be worried about whether or not my mom was going to be okay. Like it was she. So, you know, it, and my mom would do those gut-wrenching cries that I would be like, oh my God, she's going to give herself a heart attack. So I was the parent, you know, so at at things. Yeah. That's sad. I know, but you know, I mean, no, I mean, I was going to say that does, it just shows you a lot of when you're a child and you go through any sort of traumatic event, your mind and your body, I mean, it really sets your stress response, which is something that I learned. I also grew up with a brother with severe special needs. So my household was super busy. We're always running around and things were going on and he was in the hospital and he was having seizures. And so when I think back on that, I'm like, my stress response is way, my tolerance is way different. Like my body has been primed to live in fight or flight since I was young. Yes. And so when you go through any, and like Liz, I know you have your own stories with like your childhood too, but it's like your body is just, that's what it is. And so then oh, yeah. as you get older, when you have, you know, life circumstances and then you throw nutrition and then you throw, throw job stress on top of it, or hormones, and then of course, genetics, all of the little things, it's like kaboom. And then we're, oh, yeah. we're left like picking up the pieces, but you learn from it, which is something that I've discovered. And that's the best thing that you can do. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's been, um, you know, as, as our friend Brene says, you know, her breakdown (laughs) becomes, becomes our breakthrough. Right. And, you know, and I like to add a little part to that where I said, okay, my breakdown became my breakthrough. And now I'm breaking out. Yes. I love it. So there you go. You know, I'm, I'm excited about what's to come. Talk to us about your book a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, my labor of love, V3, <laughs> VU, um, uh, will be out June 18th. Ooh, um, super, oh, wow. super excited. Pre-orders are coming sometime here in May. So I'm super excited about that. But I talk a lot about navigating through the culture of, okay, I'm an African-American female. I am <clears throat> a preacher's daughter, you know, and then I turned MBA wife, you know what I mean? And then like, and all like wore these different hats and I was assigned all of these different roles. And when you're supposed to be discovering yourself in those particular realms, you're not allowed to, like, Mm. it's just, you, you have to be what those roles say you have to be. And so I talk about my, my journey through all of those cultures, and then also how that contributed to the mental health and prolonged me from getting a diagnosis. Wow. Oh my gosh, that sounds incredible. I cannot wait to read the book. Are you going to have an event in Columbus, like a book launch that yeah. we can yes. attend? I am. I am. Those are the perfect place. Have it at Hope Farted. Yes. Yes, I am definitely having an event. It's going to be sometime in July. And yes, it is going to be open to, you know, all of my peeps. Yeah, I love that <laughs> I just invited. I just invited us. I was like, oh, so do you have an event that we can come to? We're going. <laughs> but no, no, I call, listen, all, all of my free birds out there, my free spirit is yeah. like, yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. So you have the blog, of course, where people can come and read more about your story. And as far as events go, I saw you did have a spot for events. Do you have anything coming up right now? Or are you planning on hosting any? I mean, we have the book launch that we're coming to, of course. Right, exactly. One thing at a time, Nina. (laughs) (laughs) As far as events right now, like I I did the talk series last summer, which was super successful. It was probably like, 
much better than what I thought it was going to be. But again, that's just the person who worries inside of me. Yeah. But um, we had a great time just kind of cultivating this community of women. And now I'm really focusing on the book and launching the book. So there will probably be a few opportunities in the city this summer once, once the book actually drops. But the plan is, is for me to, um, kind of travel outside of the Ooh, borders a Columbus. little bit yeah. Yeah, of Columbus and kind of do a couple of talks and uh, surrounding the book. And then also, I mean, I'm working on number two. So like, I kind of got to be stay put. Oh my gosh, so, already. Yeah, you know, it's kind of, so you know how people uh, say that they are serial entrepreneurs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a serial book writer. Yeah, I wish I could be. I wish I could be. I find writing to be so difficult, although I write on the blog and and things like that. But I always have this why, like I would love to write a book. I'm like, that's not possible. That's probably my anxiety coming in. Like you can't write a book. You're not good enough. You so could write a book. I mean, just listening to you and uh, hearing you, you definitely have a lot to say. So I mean... I, you know, I'm this next one is really um, the same kind of be free be you, but it's for middle school age girls, actually. I love that. Uh, so I had middle school for yeah. seven years. Seven Ooh, years. Time, isn't it? And yes. And the thing I left with was how necessary it is. Like as I got into this world of anxiety, hormones, all of it, these girls need it because that's where, yeah. it, I mean, mm-hmm. it starts when you're younger too, but that's where it gets really shitty. Oh yeah. That's where it starts. Yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So needed. That's where a lot of, that's where a lot of eating disorders start to manifest yes. themselves. I mean, I, I know that from experience. I mean, I was 12, you know, mm-hmm. and I, the, the time that I got introduced to my eating disorder was, you know, I know where I was, I know what happened. I mean, I can pinpoint it for you. And so a lot of young women that are going through puberty, you know, our bodies are developing and changing yeah. and yet they're being so overly sexualized. And mm-hmm. it's just so many layered kind of conversations that to be quite honest, a lot of times our parents mean well, but they just don't even know how. Because it's so much. Very true. I think it's interesting that time in our lives, I feel like it's so chaotic and there's so much stuff going on, both like obviously hormonally and then just like development wise that we look for anything we can control. Mm -hmm. Like for me, it was also Mm -hmm. food. And it's like, if I can just, if we can just get this one part of life down, then like all the other parts will be less chaotic. 100%. And so I think... I don't know. I love the idea of you, yeah. of that message being spread to young girls because the more they can hear it, the better. My, yeah. my anxiety stuff started mainly, I remember in like fifth, sixth grade. And I mm-hmm. always wonder too, I mean, of again, there's a huge link to hormonal changes and, and things like that. But I wonder when we feel so out of control with our body, it's like, oh, I need... Like mine wasn't food necessarily, but I think it was like some of those like OCD worries. Like, oh, I well, I mm-hmm. keep thinking about this over and over mm-hmm. and over again. That's your way of controlling. And, yeah. yeah. So it's like, if I just keep thinking about this subject over and over again, I'm controlling some aspect of my life. Yeah. You know, it's making me miserable. But when you're yes. 12, you don't know. You don't know any better. Oh, you don't you know. Like yeah. self, whatever. You can't figure yourself out at that point. Unless your parents see yeah. what's going on and, you know, take you to a therapist when you're younger, which mine didn't, but they didn't know. They didn't right. know that that was like anything that they should be doing. They've never stepped foot in therapy. Well, I'm sure you weren't sharing yeah. with them. Like I'm having these repetitive, like I did unhealthy thoughts. I, oh, you did, I did share it with my mom and a couple of people and God bless her. I think she listened to the podcast sometimes. <laughs> but she, I remember her being 12? like, oh, Nina, but you are so calm, but you're so this, but you're so that. Like, you don't need to worry about, <laughs> you know, they need well. But then I'm like, mom, that's right. But I'm still worrying. Like, this isn't helping. <laughs> but then exactly, you just like, then exactly. you just go through life. But hey, you you learn as you go. And so like now you have two children. Um, are they I do. Two daughters? I didn't look into No, I have one of each. So Ooh, I okay. have... I have an 11 year old son and I have an eight year old daughter. Oh, you're coming up into the age group. Oh oh my gosh. Well, (laughs) and my son is actually, um, he's young for his grade, but he's in sixth grade. Mm -hmm. And so he's had some middle school changes. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was actually what inspired me to write this second edition for middle school girls, because I'm seeing what he's going through as a young man. Yeah. So 
yeah, it's 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 hard being a kid today. And and the, and then with social media, yes. you know, on uh. top of everything, oh my gosh, it's like the gasoline that you know you throw on the fire that's already burning. Adults already have trouble with social media. I know, like when I'm, and my life is also on social media. It's part of my job. But yes. when I I go down the rabbit hole of like judging myself with what other coaches are doing, or like even in the mental health world, I'll see what other people are posting. I'm like, am I not good, doing a good enough job? Am I not talking about yeah. this enough? Am I not doing this enough? Yes. Oh, look yeah. what that hormone coach is doing. Should I be doing? And so imagine not having the tools as like a young child and being like, do I not look good enough? Am I really me? Like kids say really rude things. Oh yeah. I mean, my, my son was bullied. Um, so I know what that is. And you know, and, and I think too, there is such a, it's such a fine line right now of how, what we're teaching our kids, because not everything is bullying. Some things are just mean. And yeah. then there are some mm-hmm. things that are just rude. You know what I mean? But there's a difference. And so we've got to be able to teach them, okay, this is this, this is this. And but. There's so much to teach them that it can become exhausting, mm-hmm. honestly. And it and that's why I believe that, you know, saying that it's it takes a village, you know, oh, because yeah. it, it really does. It takes a village to kind of help with the kids and, and step in. I just had this idea for mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but I feel like you need like a partner, either organization or book called Real Boys Cry and Real Girls Fart. Like <laughs> Because I think the boys, they're they're just so emotionally, it makes me sad. Honestly, like when I talk with my husband and talk about his, like everything that he went through, Mm -hmm. I think what makes me the saddest for him is that he always, like the messages that he received about having to be strong or like not be emotionally vulnerable. Like it makes me sad for him that I was at least as a female allowed to be, I could cry and get upset and share my feelings. Even if it was just like with my mom or whoever and that our young boys often from a societal standpoint, like don't have that same encouragement. Yeah, I know. No, it's so true. Is that, do you think that, and I know that this is like way off of be free, be you, but that's okay. Like, do you guys (laughs) think that that's what it, they, or is that what toxic masculinity means to you? Is that what they mean when they say that? I think that there is a lot. Yeah. I think that there's a lot to do with men and and boys like thinking they need to look and be a certain way in order to be a, a quote unquote man. And so then when you, when you don't have that vulnerable piece of you, I mean, we all have feminine and masculine energy in us. And I think if we don't right. balance that out, that's where we see uh, a lot of like these symptoms or aggression or other things arise because you literally aren't balanced in your feminine and masculine energy. And we all have like yeah. stronger, one is stronger than the other. But I think that that does cause a lot of, we talk about women so much on this podcast, but men have their own struggles when it comes to stuff like that too. Yeah. I was just, you know, because that's like, um, you know, it's kind of like your job, my job to, you know, in the field or line of work that we do, like we kind of have to stay on topic and and current trends of like what people are talking about. And so I actually saw a talk that uh, actor uh, Terry Crews, Mm -hmm. um, he was actually talking um, and he had talked about the importance of men speaking up. And I think that this was in regards to like the the Me Too movement, Mm -hmm. but he there was something that flashed on the screen that said uh, toxic masculinity. And actually I had heard it, but I had never really paid too much attention to it before. And so it just kind of struck me. And I was just like, wow, you know, these are the stories that I do hear from a lot of men that, Mm -hmm. you know, are in my life that, you know, with, especially with mental health, like they have nowhere to turn. Yeah. I mean, at all, there are not, there are not too many platforms, if any, that are created specifically for men where they can have these conversations. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah, It's like a huge need. Or even like, I feel like guy friends don't have those conversations. Like if my husband went and got a beer with someone, I can't imagine him being like, yeah, I'm really struggling like with this anxiety or this depression. Like he would, they'd be like, Hey, did you watch Game of Thrones? This beer tastes good. Like, I mean, there are good friendships. I'm not saying his friendships aren't, good in their own different way, but like, right. there's just some unwritten rule. Like you don't, that's not the conversations they're having. Something that yeah. I've noticed even with Cody is like when we have conversations about uh, anything emotional, 
it's like almost like he doesn't have the tools and he's very open about this, but like he doesn't have the tools to even know like what his own emotions are because you just, mm-hmm. you're almost not taught it. It's like, and some women might not have been taught too, but I feel like we're more connected to that or we felt more able to open and talk to our friends and like talk to our moms and things like that. But men just like never learn those tools. So then when they're going through something as far as mental health goes, they're like, oh, sh- like, I don't know what to do. I don't know yeah, what this is. Yeah, yeah, yeah clench it, clam, like shut it down. I mean, we're going to therapy next week. (laughs) I'm like, let's Mm -hmm, go, mm -hmm. dude. Like, let's go to therapy Mm -hmm. and talk through all this stuff. It's fun. Yeah. I hope that (laughs) men are now realizing, I mean, guys obviously do go to therapy, but I think that's like one good resource. And there's probably guys out there that are opening up to this in this world of health and wellness too. I hope. I'm really, I'm hoping that, you know, the the trend, like, cause right now, like I've, I've been talking a little bit about this. I had said, and I'm, I'm sure that you guys could probably attest to this, like in this whole wellness, there are so many like buzzwords, right? So like we've yes. got everybody saying like self-love, self-care, authenticity, you know, mm-hmm. like that a lot of them, they're, they're using the words because they're popular. And so my concern is that it's going to lose its, um, potency, if you will, because so many people are using them. But the one thing that I will say that is a positive about it being so saturated in the space is the fact that, okay, one, we're talking about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then two, hopefully in this saturation, some guy gets this idea to like do something for men that are like hurting and that need a a space and a platform. That's what my hope is Mm -hmm. in all of this, you know? I think it'll happen. I actually want to ask you a question now that you brought that up. Because this is something that I struggle with a lot is... Mm -hmm. I feel like I I am a promoter of self-care and I am a promoter of like yoga yeah. and meditation and I am a promoter of going to Reiki and releasing emotional blocks and all these things. But also yeah. I sometimes feel as though, oh my goodness, am I one of those people that are promoting <laughs> these words, you know, like out there. And so I have to yeah, take yeah, a yeah. step back and look at myself. And I wonder how do you find the balance or do you have advice for, for someone like me, for example, that really truly believes uh, in sharing this message and how all of these elements, mind, body, spirit are there to help us and really dig deep and and discover who we are. But without it being fluffy, I guess maybe you can tell the difference when somebody's being fluffy and someone's not. You can't, I mean, you can, some people can. I I would love to say that most can, but that's not always the case. Um, I think that it's a really it's a really good question. It's actually a great question. I had this conversation probably two days ago. And you know what I said? I, I said, this is the only thing we can do is we can continue to not just talk it, but walk it. 100%. Because eventually yep. the truth always outlives a lie. And so I will say to you, this should be so much assurance for you is that the cream always rises to the top. And when you're truly, truly living a lifestyle of wellness and self-love and self-care, people can see it because of the fruit of your life. Mm -hmm. And so you are walking the walk and not just talking about it. And that is what is going to set you apart from everybody else. Oh, well, thanks for that. And I, and you are obviously living it as well, which is why, I mean, we're having this conversation today, right? Because you can see, you're like, this is somebody that I want to talk to. This is somebody I want to dig in into this topic with. So, I mean, thank yeah. you so much for... This has been a very vulnerable podcast, I would say. Like, <laughs> yes. Yes. we've all shared... We even talked about our husbands. They're going to be like, what are you doing? I know. Well, I Zach's know. Like, he's like I in the know. room over. I guarantee we're going to hang up and he's going to be like, so I don't have good friendships? What are you talking about? <laughs> Um, what's also funny is my husband's team is who produces our podcast and they're gonna they're gonna be listening so you and Cody are going to therapy next week or whatever no it's funny oh my gosh we're proud (laughs) we're proud we're proud hey like it's 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 better than proactive therapy and working through stuff ahead of time is much better than what happens if you don't, well, if you wait until it's like a huge And that's problem. another oh, stigma yeah. too, isn't it? Like going to yes. therapy. So, oh yeah. Yes. Like everyone has been to therapy or they should have been. Like it's great. I yes. love well, it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, I mean, no, I was just, I was agreeing with you guys. Like I love therapy 
and I told you guys earlier in the podcast, like I got into the habit of going when there's something wrong. Like you go to therapy, yes. there always has to be something wrong. That is reactive therapy to Liz's point. <laughs> like yeah. we need proactive therapy so that we can, you know, kind of navigate through before any challenges happen. Mm-hmm. Pro, when you do reactive therapy, at least gets you in the office because that's what got me yeah. into the office. <laughs> Um, but then, but then what's amazing is now, like I can say when we're going through our own personal struggles, because when you go through your own personal struggles, they affect your spouse or your partner. Oh, yes. Um, And so that's something that I really love now is like, we have a person that I can say like, I've been really stressed. And I see that you've also been really stressed in your business. And this is kind of what I see between us. Let's go talk about it. And it doesn't have to be... I Actually, our therapist said that the most cases he sees in his office are couples that are already at the end of the rope. And, And I know that sounds bad, but it's like, they're there and it's like they've they waited so long where it is reactive therapy when it's so nice to go and just like keep it consistent and learn about each other and learn about yourself. And that just makes yeah. you stronger for, for you, for your kids later down the line, for people around you, friendships, whatever the case may be. Yeah, it's um, you know, I love I love the idea of premarital counseling. I also love the idea of counseling while you're married, um, to do check-ins like yeah. you just spoke of. Because it, it's like just a little tune up. Totally. Just keeping keeping it all in function the right way. Right. Like anything else. I love it. Yep. Absolutely. So, okay. We didn't even touch on the podcast. So we talked about the blog. Oh, yeah. We talked about... <laughs> and a podcast. We talked about like events that could possibly be coming up. You have a yeah. book, starting a second book. You also have a podcast. I, yes. So I do have a podcast. I've been on a hiatus. Have I must you admit. been? <laughs> I have I haven't recorded any new episodes for for quite a while. Um, I kind of want to do like get into this groove of like making sure I'm in a comfortable spot going around talking about the book and mm-hmm. all those types of things. Um, because listen, the reality is is like I don't want to be like a jack of all trades and a master of none. You know oh, yeah. what I'm saying? So yes. like I'm trying to really really hone way. in and like focus my attention. So yeah, I, I'll be back though. Keeping it real with keys, we'll be back. But yes. I'm just not gonna be back right away. Perfect. So we'll put that on <laughs> also, the back burner a little bit. Yeah, all, all I was gonna say. Burner. Also, I feel like ours is skewed, Nina, because we like we have such a we have like an army of people that know. produce mm-hmm. our. We have so much little to do. Mm-hmm. We just show we up. We talk into a mic on Tuesdays, <laughs> and then we don't do anything else. But, you guys, yeah, so. that's so cool. Can I borrow your team? Yeah, absolutely. We will throw them your way 100%. No, they're actually freaking amazing. I'm just not saying that because I know them. They're like really good people. But yeah, it is good to like, you have to pick your a couple things because I do the same thing. I'm like, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing this. And then everything, you know, you have to have a couple focuses and really do those full force. Give your all to them and show up. Yes. It's hard when you're so passionate. Like you yes. want to be everywhere. Yes. Really awesome. Every, you're like everywhere. three very passionate people. It's creative. Yes. Be, creative be everywhere, people. everything, you know, like just, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard being creative, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. Put across the bear. <laughs> so where would be your favorite place for our listeners to find you, keep up with you, learn about the book and like order the book when it comes out, give them all of that information. Well, I am kind of everywhere. So like I'm at uh, Real Girls Part on Instagram. Um, you can go to Facebook, Real Girls Part. All of it's the same. Or you can go to my website, realgirlspart.com and you can sign up. That would be really cool because then if you sign up, then I can send you all kinds of the latest information about the book, give you a little code maybe nice. uh, to get a special little discount potentially. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you sign up for the newsletter, you're kind of always like on top of everything that's going on with me yeah. and what we're doing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation with us. I hope that it inspires other people to open up. Thank you so much for coming on the show today and talking with us. It's been a really, really nice treat. So we appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you guys. Thanks guys for tuning into this episode and staying with us to the end. I hope that you enjoyed getting super vulnerable with us and that it helped uh, open you up to, you know, opening up about your own struggles, sharing your own struggles or getting the support you need. 
Yes. And we encourage you to head up to realgirlsfart.com. And I know I'm going to sign up for her newsletter, like stats so I can get deets on her book exactly. coming Exactly. If you want discounts on that book, sign up for her newsletter. And while you're signing up for her newsletter, you know what you can also do? Also head on over to all three of our bios. If you listen to the beginning of the episode, um, at Liz Garster, at Nourished with Nina, and at Finding Your Shine Podcast. Links are in our bios to get your Eventbrite ticket to Empowered Voice. Awesome. Well, thanks again to Akia and thank you all for listening. We will catch you next week. Talk to you guys soon.